What is up? How's it going? Good, man. Uh, w- these delirium tremens are pretty uh, pretty tasty. Yeah, they're quite delightful, <laughs> huh? The Belgians do it properly. They do. I like it. I haven't drinking one of these since we lived on uh, 949 Marine Street. Yeah, nice little throwback. Up on the hill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice little throwback. Yeah, man. Well. How's it been? Good. Good. It's good to finally hang out with you. It's been... Yeah, it's been a little, been a while. Two weeks, three weeks? Yeah, I was in Iowa for a few weeks. It's yes. good to be back here. Good to be back good in be back, Boulder. Back in the sunshine. I just toured Tom's new uh, condo, and it is fucking dope. Yeah, it's a, I like it a lot. Dude, that it's place bad. is sweet. Yeah. It's like the ultimate bachelor pad. Yeah, I mean, you don't really need much. You know, it's just a place to hang out in a bedroom and you know in a good good central location you know it's like yeah, but you're doing a good job with the furniture it's like you, you I, enjoy, I enjoy doing that but the thing i is, love doing that like y- you get your when you have a, a chick involved with it yeah they're better at you know they, they have their taste of what they want to do for the place and their opinion overrides the sure. male opinion yep. but where, with what yeah. you've got going on, you've got this thing decked out, and it looks modern and sleek and sexy. And Thanks. like, yeah, yeah. I, I would say I'm pretty solid with the basics mm-hmm. in terms of like furniture and stuff. Where I definitely have no idea what I'm doing is like decorations and stuff. That's where the the ladies yeah, take over. That that that's where they really like thrive mm-hmm. and do well. I'm like, I get the basics in there, and then I'll live with pretty much blank walls for quite a while. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, if you're living. Anything remotely to how we were living in um, <laughs> back on in, yeah. in, in the good old days, um, the ladies obviously are better at finding the things, the little things, you know. Yeah, and it's also like I don't spend like that much time there. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm usually like working or out doing stuff, and then it's well, and you sleep eat and six meals. <laughs> yeah. A, 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 week there yeah exactly. <laughs> i don't even have a table <laughs> yeah i like sit on my couch and eat which is fine you know <laughs> six meals a month i take that yeah. back <laughs> do you cook ever we cook there yeah yeah i started cooking um yeah i i mean I'll, I'll bake like chicken yeah the main things i cook i do i'll bake some chicken breast and then i'll um make some burgers on the stove okay and then i've discovered the wonders of like microwave ready um <laughs> sides okay like riced uh riced cauliflower oh dude that stuff's good it's fantastic yeah you just throw it in there hit five minutes and then come back to it and you've got a side ready to go for you that you know? stuff is really nice yeah where i would go wrong before is i would do this whole elaborate thing where i would saute like fresh veggies you know mm-hmm. bell peppers and onion and you know cut up some avocado oh yeah do the whole thing right and um I get kind of tired of it. Yeah. It's fun for the first dozen times you do it, you know, but then Mm -hmm. at a certain point you're like, I just kind of want to eat and move (laughs) on, (laughs) you know, function. Yeah. Give me the, give me the calories. Give me the nutrition. Dude, get this. I was, um, I had a call with like a Salesforce guy the other day. So we're looking at adding on some like additional licenses or something. Mm -hmm. And, um, (laughs) this guy starts, uh, pitching me on, uh, frittatas. <laughs> what is a frittata? That's like a Mexican. So I didn't know what a frittata is either. It's basically like a. Uh, it's really similar to a quiche. Oh. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like a little like like you bake it in like a little cast iron, right? And it's like 
I don't know, like a few inches of egg with like any manner of veggies or mushrooms or so he was bacon. He was co-selling frittatas on your sales force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sales so, call. Yeah, so he he was like a coordinator guy. So I basically like I hit him up and I'm like, hey, we need this certain product, right? And then he hops on. He's like, oh yeah, I'll coordinate you with the um coordinate you with the proper guy to be talking with or whatever. And he's like, by the way, you know, it's a uh, happy frittata Friday. I run a I run an Instagram account and um and he like fully pitched the the whole frittata. <laughs> Does thing. he make them? Yeah, dude. I've apparently his Instagram. Did you buy him? Filled with them. No, I didn't. He has merch on his site though. Wow. Yeah. He's smart. Uh, honestly, super super nice guy. And uh, frittatas seem like a great option because breakfast is hard, as we've discussed before. Yes. And um, yeah, frittatas. Are they healthy? Yeah. I mean, there's no sugar, no carbs. It's what, like, so it's a frittata, but quiches aren't healthy. Quiches have a little bit of bread around the outside. So there's just is a quiche with no bread. Pretty much, as as far as I can tell. Okay. Yeah. Is it a French thing? Or frittata. like, where does the word frittata come from? I don't know. It sounds Spanish. Definitely. It does sound kind of Spanish, right? It sounds like a tostada. That's that's what yeah. I, I get that mixed yeah, up. Yeah. If it's Spanish, yeah, I don't think it's Hispanic or like Mexican. But, yeah. Um, yeah, European of some kind. Honestly, and the thing that I liked about it is I think you just like make them once and then you have basically have like a meal for like breakfast for like four days so this is your new go-to at your place you're going to be making frittatas yeah it's kind of the plan if i do start <laughs> making breakfast although in the morning cereal cuts it you know it's yeah. just fine what, what, what kind of cereal are you eating though uh these like little squares of wheat <laughs> i don't know <laughs> What's the brand uh i don't know it's called um i don't know like is autumn, it a healthy autumn, one or? yeah it's, it's like an alt it's got like cereal? no sugar in there. I mean, it's like a Whole Foods brand. Okay, well, it's not yeah, Whole, it's Foods Whole Foods brand, but it's brand. like um, I don't know. It's, it's like a health brand. Like yeah, there's like minimal sugar in there, and you should look up. Um, there's a company called Magic Spoon. If you're a cereal guy, um, Magic Spoon makes basically cereal for adults, but it's all grain free, which is nice because you're uh -huh. not going to get any, it's keto friendly. Like it's, there's not a lot of carbs in it. There's no sugar in it. It's so just, what, so what's in it then? I think it's like monk fruit and then they've got like, like you know, flax kinda, or something yeah. like that in there. Yeah. yeah they've got nice. kind of like the alt, <clears throat> the alt flowers that they're using, maybe almond flour. I'm not sure what kind of flour they're using. You, you know, flour is kind of nice for, um, tortillas, cava. Cava. Yeah, cava flour. You mean cassava? Cassava. cassava. There cassava. you go. <laughs> yeah, cassava flour. Cava's that... Cava's uh, the that, trippy shit that we yeah, used to drink. Yeah, <laughs> which I think is like a root or something. Yeah, it's a root. It's tastes, a root. Actually, like trash makes you feel very nice. Oh, it does taste so bad, It's dude. like as bad as it can get. But it's kind of this nice hybrid between like a uh, cannabis high and a uh, drunk. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like a social, you get the social elements of yeah, you get alcohol. You get a little euphoric, you're relaxed, you want to like talk and stuff. Exactly. <clears throat> but yeah, it tastes like absolute trash. It's terrible to drink. Dude, actually kava. So interesting thing. I did a little research um, with a client a couple years back and we were kind of breaking down um, like the endocannabinoid system and in your body and talking about um kind of there's molecules that interact with the endocannabinoid system like thc cbd these things right but then there's also kava the active ingredient in kava interacts it's called kava lactones but 
it, the metabolic pathway is through the same exact channel as THC. Interesting. Yeah, it interacts with your ECS, your endocannabinoid system. So it's kind of closely related to that with just different effects. That's pretty cool. That's something that I know like nothing about is these pathways in the bodies and like the sirtuin pathways and stuff. Oh yeah. I know nothing about that. Yeah. I was here and talked about and I'm like, I, it's just an absolute blank space in my understanding of health. I like, yeah. I don't even know what it means. I, I just picture like stuff <laughs> moving from like cell to cell or something. Like, <laughs> I, I don't even know what it means. No, you know? Exactly. Do, exactly. Do you know what like the pathways are? Or, like I know certain pathways, certain metabolic pathways. So like what, yeah. Like what is a metabolic pathway? Well, it's like a receptor in your body. Like it's, it's a system, right? Like, um, you, like you have different, your your body has different ways of, of taking up nutrients or taking up, you know, different things that in, interact with your the outside world in your body. So it's like based in like digestion? Y- yeah. I mean, there's there's multiple pathways. I mean, I can actually, I wanted to talk about one of those pathways today, but, you know, I'm not a biologist, so don't, yeah. don't count on <laughs> me for this. But as far as I understand, just through the research that we did do is like with this particular endocannabinoid system in that in that pathway like your body digests quote-unquote like thc it uptakes through that like metabolic pathway and it processes through that pathway and so there's like receptors like your body has endocannabinoid receptors where when this molecule enters into your bloodstream the receptors can bond with that molecule and it creates for THC is psychoactive effect. Interesting. So it's like from stomach to your bloodstream to wherever in your body it's going. Yeah. And any combination of those things um, is like a pathway. Essentially, yeah. To, to my, I mean, I'm not a biologist, so don't take my word for it. But as far as, yes. Okay. I don't even know the terminology that I'm using. is probably completely yeah. fucking wrong, but Well, yes. it's, it's kind of starting to make sense to me a little bit. Oh, I think we're having a minor technical difficulty. I think that needs to be um, turned up. There there we go. Can we turn that up? Try it now. Wait, try the... There we go. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Fire me up. It was a combination <laughs> of factors. It was. Um, all right, let's get into it. So today we're going to talk about um, longevity. Indefinitely extended lifespans. Health span. Health span. And then we're going to talk about energy. Indefinitely extended energy. (laughs) (laughs) Limitless nuclear energy. Let's go, baby. This is the Vantage Podcast. Mason Pereira, Tom Cordell. Welcome back, dear listeners. So as we uh, sip our, uh, what is this, a pint of beer? As we sip our pint of beer, we're going to give everybody a lesson about human longevity. Um, it's something that both Tom and I are moderately obsessed with. Um, but we're, we're also violating that by drinking this uh, Delirium Tremens 
Belgian beer. Well, you know, Mason, stress is a killer, so it's very nice to have a uh, nice stress relief every once in a while. Exactly. It's all about balance. Yeah, exactly. I think you have a coffee mug that says that, don't you? Yeah. It says it's all about balance. Yeah, the Ayurvedic <laughs> mug that I got back in the day. Mm-hmm. Very nice mug. I it like is a it. nice mug. Yeah. Um. Well, cool. So uh, we obviously, I think we've talked about just longevity and, and health span and lifespan increases on the podcast before, but I think it's good that we are talking about this, like kind of devoting a good sec- segment yeah. uh, to it. Yeah, and this time I think instead of diving into like how, yes, how we do it, um, I would like to talk about like what we do once we have it. Mm. What does the world look like if we do have indefinitely extended lifespans and if we start operating from the assumption that we will like if you start living your life like you're going to live 700 years yes how does that change your decisions now what kind of stuff can we as humans accomplish what effects does that have on society Um, because I mean it's definitely important to figure out how you get there but also kind of dreaming about the possibilities yes. once it is within reach um, is, uh, yeah. I think it's super important. And I think um, just to kind of back that up, when you say 700 years, you're not crazy when you say that. Um, leading experts at Harvard, whether that's Dr. David Sinclair, whether that's, you know, a, a handful of the leading experts are increasingly seeing aging as a disease. Yeah. So it's something that doesn't necessarily have to happen. Yeah, the way I look at it is is that it's a just a series of technical problems to be solved. Correct. It's not some kind of magic thing that exists beyond the realm of human understanding. It's no. not some religious thing that is like outside of our control. Uh, it's becoming increasingly clear that we may be able to take control of our own mortality to a certain extent. Correct. And, and we already do that, but our technology just doesn't seem as magical as it perhaps should. Because Correct. you look at lifespans from 10,000 years ago, they were signif- significantly shorter. Yes. I don't know, like three like, times Like as 40, 60 was old. Oh, yeah, super old, for like, sure. Yeah. I mean, there was like, yeah, there were natives, tri- native tribes where their lifespan was like... 18, 18 yeah. 20, yeah. And it's, it's just like a completely different world. And now, you know, we're living, you know, 80, 100 years old. Um, and we've, we've kind of like maxed that out. But, but we controlled for the things that we could control. Correct. And the factors that are causing us to die at 100, we're beginning to get an understanding of how we control those factors. Correct. And what we can do in terms of lifestyle, supplementation, um, in order to yeah, prolong that. And then on top of that, <clears throat> there is, so lifestyle supplementation, but also with exponential technology, bio, biology is increasingly kind of converging, if you will, with technology. And actually DNA is a code that biologists around the world are starting to tap into interestingly we just actually finished mapping the human genome and it was announced like yesterday really yeah that we had 
completely 100% mapped, mapped it, mapped the human gene- yeah. genome. Yeah. So it, when, when you look at these factors, not part of it is our learnings, right? Are, have yeah. increased tremendously. Yeah. And then the other part of it is that biotechnology and the way that we are um, progressing from a technological standpoint is rapidly accelerating. Um, COVID-19 also played a part in people in, in some big uh, interest leaps for culture in terms of health and what technology, wh- where that collides with um, health span and the ability to live a healthy life for longer. So point being, age, aging is increasingly being looked at if you can do a couple of things right, do just the basic things right, correct lifestyle, correct treatments. If something does come up, testing your body for yeah. certain cancers, catching them early, which is possible. And it's possible at scale and at cost Yeah, for society. And, and ensuring like hormonal balances, making sure there's not vitamin deficiencies, mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. And when you start, when you start doing that and you stop, you know, toxin intake and all this kind of stuff. Like we don't really know how long people can go for. No. And there's no reason there's no, and the, where it gets even trickier is you're able to say the doctors today feel very confident saying that a lot of people that are our age are going to make it to a buck 50. And they say, and they're not just going to make it to a buck 50 being like old and shitty and feeling like dog shit. Spend the last 40 years in a hospital bed or anything yes. like that. They're going to make it to a buck 50 feeling pretty pretty good, you know, yeah. for the most part. And, and that's and then then what they're saying, the reason why it gets so unpredictable is what does the technology look like yeah. when we're a buck 50? Yeah, there's this concept called um aging escape velocity mm-hmm. where we're potentially going to be able to extend our lifespans by one year um, for every year that we're alive. Correct. So if medical advancements on average extend our lifespans by one year and that happens every year, then we end up in a state of indefinitely extended lifespans. So future technology will only aid in allowing us to live longer exactly. as we gain a um, gain a better understanding of our bodies and there doesn't seem to be a hard limit on the length of time that an individual can live. Yes. Especially given that a lot of folks are really forecasting a big breakthrough in biotech in the next, you know, couple decades here. Um, so I know it's both of our goals probably my number one goal. I don't know what your number one goal is, <clears throat> but I think overall for everything, my number one goal is to live a really long time. Oh, for sure. It's definitely very, very, very high up there. And I very much plan on it. Yeah. I very much plan on living a long time and being young through that whole time. Yeah. it'll. It, I think it will be my biggest accomplishment. 100%. Like, yeah. I don't care how much, I mean, obviously want to be financially successful you want to have all this stuff but i think what would be even cooler is to be like this guy made it to a buck 50 and he looks like he's 55 yeah like what the hell is going on with this guy (laughs) my 
one of the big reasons why I'm interested in this is I just want to see what happens. Exactly. I want to see where the world goes. I want to see yes. how it all plays out. You know, I can't imagine being on the, us being on the edge of some amazing scientific breakthrough or we're about to start a colony on Mars, probably won't be Mars, but somewhere, right? Maybe in another solar system. Totally. And, and you're like, shoot, I don't know if I'm going to live to see the day. I want to see, I want to live until the good Lord rips open the sky and comes <laughs> down and saves us all, man. That's how long I want to live. I'm yeah. serious. I want to take care of myself and live that long. There's, there's no reason not to. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I'm good with that. Like, yeah. I'm on board. Like, that's my goal. I want to be, when the good Lord rips open the sky, I want to be on earth and look in the, the upstairs and be like, whoa, man, <laughs> you just ripped open the sky. Let's yeah. go. And just experience it. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Like, like that is, but going back to what you're saying, like, yes, there's a lot, there's a lot to, to see. But another thing, another part of the benefit about having this intention of living a very long time and being committed to that is is really when you go through turmoil like we went through with COVID or you go through turmoil like we might be facing with World War III or with a recession or a depression or whatever that is, if you're living 200 years, that's a tiny little fraction of your life. Yeah, it puts it all in perspective. And yes. you, yeah, you really end up in a, a mode of long-term thinking. Mm -hmm. And you start looking at the impact that your actions have on your life and the environment and everything else combined. And you start, I mean, it's like, what would you work on if you knew you were able to work on it for the next 900 years? Yes. What fucking problems would you try to solve? Exactly. What and, things would you learn? Yeah, exactly. And what comes within your reach? Exactly. If you have that long of a lifespan. That's know? right. That's right. And then, yeah, like think about this. If you live 300 years or 200 years or whatever it is, which is crazy to even think about, but it's, it's very possible if you do things right now. Yeah. If we, people our age, start doing things correctly now, it's possible. 100%. And it's a huge, 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 huge advantage. Probably the most advantageous thing that any, it's the biggest gift that any generation could possibly have. 100%. And it gives you the, the, the gift of being able to be patient. Yeah. Because, okay, let's say that we're 100 and you live until 200. You're only halfway through your life. You could go back. You probably, you're probably loaded at that point. Because you're a hundred years old and you're you're acting young, you're you know you've had a healthy career. You're not retiring. You're not giving up on life. You're feeling good. You're, you're continually there. engaged. You're yeah. taking care of your brain. You're taking yep. care of your body. And then you're like, okay, you know what? I've lived a great life. I want to go back and I want to get my degree. I want to get another degree. I want to start a new career. Yeah. I'm gonna be an intern. I'm gonna contribute in some new way. Learn something new. Like, the interesting thing is that there might be this dynamic that plays out that the people who contribute most to society are the ones who are in the best position to extend their lifespans through yes. having the resources to be able to do so. And I know that that is idealistic, right? You could say that there's somebody who's a very greedy person and they would then be able to extend their lifespan. Mm -hmm. But I think that if you 
in order to extend your lifespan like that, you have to truly care for yourself and Mm -hmm. care for your body. And I think that through doing that, if you truly do care about yourself, then that caring extends to other people and extends to the planet. I don't think that this might be ridiculous, but I don't think you can get there without love, without loving yourself, without loving life. I don't think that you can do it right. I don't think that your incentives will be aligned. I just, you'd be fighting an uphill battle, you know, and people who aren't filled with love. I just don't think that they would be able to be able to pull it off, you know? So hopefully we end up with a bunch of people who are very, engaged with life who are working to make the world a better place and they're the ones with the extended life that's who's going to do that yeah no you're you're absolutely right it takes a certain level of commitment towards your body which the only reason why you would commit to taking care of your body is if you love yourself and you love being here yeah. And you want to be here for a long time. There's people hey, there's people that don't want to be here a long time. Yeah. And it, and it takes an air of gratitude. Yes. And if you love yourself and you have gratitude for life and everything that you've been given, I would argue that like you're probably a pretty decent person. Yes. You know. Because you want to be here. Yeah. Like if you you if want to you, keep doing it. Exactly. You know? And look, I mean I think the thing is, is people also get a little bit concerned about living a long time because they don't want to get their hopes up. That I think is the main thing of not wanting to let yourself dream and not wanting to be let down of thinking that like planning for a hundred more years or something like that. Right. And then all of a sudden at 60, it's taken away from you and you realize that, oh, wait, I don't have all this time. Exactly. You know? Like I intended to live a long time, but but I, I, but I have cancer things, or I have things, whatever. Yeah, things didn't plan out yes. the, way that, um, the way that was intended, mm-hmm. you know. And, hey, that's just a risk that you run, you know. Like you never know. You get hit by a bus. You could be a thousand-year-old sage and get whomped by a exactly. greyhound and that's it, you know. But it's just part of the territory. And honestly – if you dare to dream, then like, yeah, you, it's there for the taking. You may make it, you may not yeah. make it, but you might as well try. And if you're down to take the risk, like do it. Yeah. And think about it. Like not a lot of people, it's interesting. It's, it's not really talked about when, when you talk about goals. Yeah. The number one goal in the world should be, I want to live a long time. I want to live a long, a long, healthy life. Yes, exactly. Like what long more could you have? Life. Yeah. Health, wealth, and happiness. Exactly. And all three inform each other. Totally. And if you're missing one of those things from the equation, then I guess if you have health and happiness, you don't really need wealth. Yeah. But, you know, they, they all inform each other. But if we all had this mindset, if yeah. we all had this mindset of, look, we're not in this to, I think wealth takes the primary role, at least in this country. Yeah. But it's like, Why? Because if you live a long time, you're naturally going to be wealthy. Absolutely. And if you're thinking in terms of long-term sustainable wealth, as opposed to quick money in the banks that you can go party in Vegas and buy a G-Wagon, which I love Vegas and I love (laughs) G-Wagons, but that's not the intention of my life. It's not not the purpose of my life, right? But if you 
approach your financial well-being with from a perspective of longevity and from the intention of like building a something that lasts yes for many many years then i think i think it leads you to make higher quality business decisions that's right and it allows you to build relationships in a different kind of way it's a very it goes down as comes down to kind of just the, the oldest you know cliche in the book of like slow and steady wins the race yeah absolutely like like you know if you if you can just outlive everything your dreams if you never go if you don't die your dreams are always on the table absolutely your dreams don't have to come to you right away and you can always make the world a better place exactly and like whatever your dr- dreams you do have uh as long as you're still kicking they're still waiting for you. And then we're able to keep our Shakespeare's and our Einstein's alive for more than just a simple lifetime. That's right. You, know? you could say that the brevity of life is what gives it its meaning. But I think that we've had, I think we've had enough time of that. Yeah. Well, and it's crazy because, you know, one of my, one of my buddies, Brendan was telling me, you know, the, some of the most influential people in the world, it would surprise you like how short they lived. I think you'll know this one, like Hendrix, like how long did Hendrix, Hendrix died when he was like 26, 27. Yeah. Like he was only famous for like five years yeah, or something like that. And then he died, but he's, he's got like this legacy that lives on. But I think that like that, I agree with you. Like that time has got to come and it's kind of passed. And like, in order to get to that next level where humanity needs to get to like our generation needs to be patient yeah, and just commit to a lifetime of learning and play that long game as opposed to just being here for 30 years, partying and rolling, you know? And honestly, if you want to romanticize the life in the fast lane with a, with a young death, you know, live fast, die young kind of thing. Go for it. Yeah. You know, but what we are offering you here is something else in case that does not resonate. Yes. And by the way, I do just want to mention that um, if if anybody listening is interested in how, there is a book that we are going to be talking about in future episodes called Life Force by Tony Robbins, just released 2022. And it is probably 700 pages long packed full of information about longevity and increasing your health span. Yeah. So if you want to read that, we're going to be discussing that in the future. Yeah. 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 That's a good idea. Then, so then you'll kind of be able to follow along and at least like have, yeah. have some kind of a base understanding of what it is that we're talking about. But and, but, and also if you're interested in this kind of stuff, like reach out to us. Yeah. Know? Hell yeah. Like, we love talking about this. This is probably my favorite thing to talk yeah. about. Yeah. It's know? a it's a it's a passion that we both have and we both nerd out about science uh, related to this stuff all the time, sending articles, sending new supplements, sending new things that like have real science attached to them. Yeah. Yeah, so if you're interested if this is something that resonates with you, definitely reach out, you know, we'd love to discuss it.
but yeah, it's like the longevity squad, man. It's like yeah. we got to build like a a little the longevity mafia. I'm very on board with that. Like the goal is to live a long time, and it's just a simple goal that has positive ripple effects throughout your entire totally. life. You know, totally. the 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 only way that we're gonna, <clears throat> I think that the here's an interesting kind of analogy to it. So my buddy Connor, you know, Connor called me and he was like, we were talking about a name for a a company. He's going to start someday, right? Someday soon. And, you know, he was, he was saying that like the baby boomers got all the good names. Did you see what I forwarded you today? What did you forward me? Uh, It was an email. It was an email. Uh, I forwarded you an email about the low-hanging fruit. And, oh, I was on the phone, but and, yeah. And good ideas. That's what that's about. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. How it's it, it was specifically about the good ideas and like the truths of the world, right? Okay. And how if you look at truth as basically like fruit okay. surrounding like a um like a a village or like like a hunter gatherer like camp, right? All of like when you first start going out of the camp, all of the like low-hanging fruit, the easy fruit to pick, was picked a few hundred years yes. ago. So like Einstein and Newton got all the good physics stuff, uh. right? And so like you have to continually go farther out and it becomes harder to find those truths That's about, right. about the universe. And same thing goes for names, uh-huh. right? So like yeah. all, all, all of the good names are taken. Yeah, they were already taken. So, we, we, so what we were talking about was tide. Tide. Oh, that's great. Like somebody, some that's tide lovely. was just tide was just. But like, well, we'll, we'll know the, the brand. Tide. I, I know, but that's a great name. Oh, it's a great name. But yeah. somebody, it was just sitting there for yeah. somebody. Yeah. But like, oh, there's no tide. There's we'll no take t- that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you didn't have to, you know, think when you were, you know, if you were born in nineteen you know, 40 or whatever, 30 or 20, there was no company names. The lo- there were no there, trademarks. There was low-hanging fruit. Now we're we're called, our generation is called to solve something harder. And it's going to take time, you know? Yeah. So so the email that I that I sent you was by um, Astral Codex. Okay. By the way, it does. I don't know who that so is. Who yeah, is that? Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying it. It's, it's a, like a... Substack subscription thing. Okay. Bunch of great content. Anyway. Um, Astro Codex? A- Astral. Astral Astro- Codex. A- Astral Codex, yeah. Okay. Um, and. Pull it up. Yeah. A lot of, lot of good stuff there. Um, but the reason that I brought it up um, specifically, uh, yeah, Astral Codex 10. The, um, the reason I brought it up was because one of the limiting factors is how long people live in terms of how deeply they're able to dive into specific concepts and figure out eternal truths about yes. them. Something like the Pythagorean theorem, pretty easy to yes. figure out, right? Mm-hmm. There's stuff that we maybe just haven't had people live long enough and devote enough time to being able to figure out yet. That's correct. They haven't been able to go far enough away from the camp to be able to reach those areas yet. Mm-hmm. They just die before they get there. And if we extend lifespans, we are opening up ourselves to an entirely new world of potential truths totally. that we can uncover. 
the the higher fruit. Yeah. That higher fruit. Exactly. And we have to, as a generation, we have to work harder than mm-hmm. people did in the past to get at those truths, to get at those good names. That's right. They still exist, but that's just like, we have so many benefits. Yeah. With technology, a more stable world. Yeah. I mean, even, even just technology, right? Um, that like we have to use that as a, as a method to get at these truths. That's a very interesting. And the, the idea that kind of pops in my mind is like, what is this fruit at the top of the tree? Yeah. It's bigger. It's riper. It's been sitting there waiting to, waiting to be picked. But yeah, you're absolutely right. You gotta, you gotta, it's a, it's, you, we, our calling is more difficult and it takes patience and it takes time. Yeah. But if we can, if you can orient yourself towards those goals now at a young age, you're going to be one of the few that does pick that fruit. Absolutely. You have to know that it exists and have a clear framework of the world Mm -hmm. that pushes you in that direction to be able to get there. That's right. That's right. And you have to collect more skills. Like something that I've noticed is like to be great in today's world. For instance, you could be a a phenomenal uh, reporter, if you will, back in the 1970s. If you just knew how to get in front of the camera and speak. Yeah. And read a teleprompter. Now what's happening with the truly great reporters of the world and the people that are using Substack and things like that, they're doing all their own research. They're doing all their own management of their business. They're, they're, they're managing their social channels. They're managing all this stuff and they have to be great on camera. Yeah. There's more skills. We have to parlay skills together in order to actually become great because Otherwise, anybody can do what you do. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, that's something I've been thinking about is how our generation, at least the true, I guess the truly successful ones of our generation, they are able to learn and incorporate new skills extremely quickly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They don't need to go to college for four years to figure it out. They know where to look on the internet to learn fast, learn efficiently, and begin using it immediately. It's we live in a a very multidisciplinary we, we live very multidisciplinary lives right now. Yes. And that's new from previous generations. It is. And our ability you you made a good point that yes, everybody that is gonna pick that high fruit is going to need to live a long time. Yeah. But another really important skill that they need to learn, probably the most important skill, is to learn how to learn. Super, super, super important. Yeah. I I, I just realized I I gestured like, yes, of course. Yeah, yes, awesome. I gestured my support for that sentiment, but <laughs> you But there was silence. Yeah, but, but yeah, but you guys can't see. He liked that comment. Yeah, I did. <laughs> it was a very But yeah, um, learning yeah. how to learn. Super like it's 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 so 
so fundamental. There's a book that I'm going to read. It's, I'll have to find what it's called, but it is all about learning how to learn. Yeah. It's on that reading list that I sent you. Sure, yeah. The David Hauser's book recommendations, but it's the number one book out of any of those um, books that were recommended. It's called, uh, it's, it's called Feynman. It's called something about Feynman. I forgot who it is. It was like Albert Einstein's mentor. Like Richard Feynman? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's called Surely You're Joking, Mr. Feynman or Dr. Feynman. Surely You're Joking, Dr. Feynman, I believe. Yeah, surely you're, surely you're joking, Mister Feynman, F E Y N M A N. Yeah, Feynman, one of the greatest scientific minds in legendary, legendary American original, and basically this guy. Yeah, he was post Einstein. Post Einstein, but this book is all about learning how to learn. I believe. Yeah, I'm gonna read it. Yeah, he got a Nobel Prize in physics. So, but super important thing to be able to do. And we, we're in a position where YouTube, dude, you can learn anything. You seriously can learn anything. Anything. You just have to find the good channels and know what you want to learn. And then, boom, it's easy. Or just to have an innate curiosity. Like last night, last night, I overheard somebody at the grocery store talking about like that they were going to a Buddhist temple and that they had joined Buddhism and that there was another person that um, was at the grocery store that overheard this and they were like, oh, you should go to the temple down at, you know, in Denver. And she was like, they don't have one in Denver. And then she was like, oh, no, that's a different sect. I don't follow that sect. And so it got me thinking, like, what do Buddhists, like, really believe? Like, what what is Buddhism? So I just Googled or YouTubed it. Watch some videos, <laughs> learn about you, learn about Buddhism and yeah. the different sects and what they believe and w- where those points of contention are. Because I didn't realize that. And then immediately after that, it said, "Oh well, if you like this video, check out our other video. What is Mormonism?" <laughs> <laughs> so then I went down and you know this guy gave Mormonism a fair shot too. But I learned something, broke yes. it down, twelve minutes, yeah. actually learned real things about Buddhism and Mormonism. Yeah, exactly. And, and the thing with the thing with YouTube is like. Yeah, you may not be able to recall every single point from that video, right? In, yeah, three months' time, somebody's like, okay, tell me the main points from that video. You might not know it, right? But if somebody starts talking about one of those main points, you have more context. And you'd be like, it'll start kind of ringing those bells. You'd be like, oh, yeah. That's right. I, I do kind of remember that. That's right. And you hear it a couple times, and it's like, okay, I have a pretty solid understanding of how to talk about Buddhism. And exactly. what is going on here. You know, it's not like... There's this old style of learning where it's you sit down and you memorize like everything yeah. on a page and somebody's like, what is Buddhism? And then you're able to give an elevator pitch on it, right? Right. The new style of learning is being able to hear a lot of different things about Buddhism and then be able to talk with somebody who's Buddhist and be able to like have follow a, what they're doing. And to ask have, them questions. Yeah, exactly. Get to an insight. To have an educated conversation with them. Yeah. You know, it's not about, um, yeah, it's not about just like recalling it. It's not about recalling facts. 
if you just want to recall facts, like we have our phones for that. You right. Know, it's about being able to integrate these different, uh, well, I just had a really interesting idea. <laughs> Spit it out. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's about being able to integrate these um, yeah, disparate bits of information, which is fascinating if you think about the way that we could potentially interface with technology because technology is really bad at doing that, at connecting. The, the symphonic thinking, the, yeah. c- the collapsing these ideas into each other. Yeah, and, co- and connecting them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, technology mm-hmm. is very bad at that, but we are, uh, we as humans happen to be like very, really good, at very it. good at that. So it's interesting to look at like somebody's brain as being like, <laughs> a circuit on in a computer that just like does that thing. We just experience all of these different, we just experience things and then make the connections and then the computers take care of like all the processing. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. So, um, so as, as you were saying that, so something that, you know, this high fruit, how do we get to this high fruit? Well, Building blocks are live a long time. Yes. Learn how to learn. Yes. Um, the next thing is insights. Yes. So like insights, it's a it's a word that gets like thrown out a lot and people just say, oh yeah, insights, it's whatever. Buzz, buzzword for sure. Yeah, but like what is an insight? Yeah. So like that's like what like, working through working in ad agencies and research and strategy firms, like an insight is a technical thing. And I'll give you what the feeling of an insight is and you'll be able to recognize, have I told you about this before? No. Okay. So basically an insight is something like this. Anytime you'll be able to recognize an insight after I tell you this, anytime you hear something where you're like, Oh my gosh, that is so true. I've just never thought of it like that. Yeah. That is an insight. Yeah, when you just immediately reconceptualize it and you're like it shifts your it shifts your huh. paradigm. Yeah. You're like, oh my gosh. Like, okay, I'll give you an insight. So we're working with Pitlicker. Yes. Pitlicker, for people that don't know, it's a vodka based deodorant that is super premium, kind of like a like a spray works really well. Anyways, as I was going through this research, I'm looking for insights. I'm trying to create basically that, oh my gosh, that's so true about deodorant, right? But I've just never thought about it that way. Well, let me just just describe to you something and tell me if you agree with this. So you currently are told from a very young age, hey, Go to the store, pick up this banal hunk of plastic, and take this oily, goopy, toxic, disgusting sludge and smear it all over your armpits. And then... So that you're not gross. So that you're not (laughs) gross. That's fucked up. Yeah. That's disgusting. That's a weird experience. Like, can we just call deodorant weird? Very weird. And it's it's one of those things that's like, yeah, that's true. There's there's a better way to do deodorant. Yeah. 
it's 2022. Let's let's reimagine our experience with deodorant. How do we? How it, could deodorant enhance our yeah, lives? It doesn't have to be shitty. Exactly. Why does it have to be shitty? That is an insight. Yeah. Right. And then once you have an insight, you can build a solution. So like a solution that we came up with was what if we made our deodorants smell really, really good, like colognes or perfumes that made you, that enriched your experience and impacted the way that you feel and evoke emotion. And they're inspired by a national park and they have, they're formulated with botanicals that come from that national park or so on and so forth. You would feel the way that you feel like when you put on like cologne or something. Exactly. And you're like, okay, cool. This is like, this is a good special thing. Right. Exactly. It's an enjoyable experience. It's almost an experience that you crave because you want to smell good. Yeah, exactly. Like why do you, and then you look, so that insight under uncovering like that, little truth as you were talking about earlier that's kind of like that high fruit yeah we're like look i mean uh axe and old spice they were the low-hanging fruit here right they got in early what our what our generation's responsibility is is to think okay well what's next and when you look at what is you have to generate a question so like the question that you you said it why does it have to be like this you know, this is fucked up. We got to reimagine this. We got to find a better experience. So I think that I didn't mean to bring this up to talk about deodorant. I brought it up to be an example of you need to live long. You need to learn how to learn. And then you need to generate insights. And you need to practice hunting for the fruit. Yes. You need to actually do it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't always say that, sit there and be like, yeah, in the future, I'm going to be a guy who has great ideas. Mm-hmm. And I consider myself to be someone who's going to have great ideas. I'm going to write that novel. You just got to put yourself in an environment, whether it's with work or hobbies or whatever it is, where you can practice coming up with insights and good ideas and go hunting. Yeah, and to have the patience when you when you are hunting, like... You're not going to find things right away. If it was low-hanging fruit... The ground's already been picked over. Yeah. Yeah. The last low-hanging fruit was Facebook. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Like, what else? I mean, now we're, like, into, like, crypto world. And it's, like, that's, like... Yeah. This is... We're getting... We're getting crazy here. It's it's very meta. It's very meta. You got to go higher. You got to extend further. Like... Nobody had connected human beings yeah. together before. Zuckerberg got that one. Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen much. I mean, Bezos got the whole supply chain distribution thing. Yeah. yeah. But like. Which, which is just like leveraging modern technology, I would say, to do that. Exactly. You know? Because there's some stuff that wasn't possible. Mm-hmm. Right. So like there might be new low hanging fruit in new fields. Mm-hmm. Like the example that this uh, newsletter gave was. Um, like machine learning. Mm-hmm. There's low-hanging fruit there. Einstein didn't have an opportunity to find the truths of machine learning mm-hmm. because machine learning didn't exist. Interesting. You know? So the new fields... Uh, new fields, yeah. Quantum mechanics which, or... Which is which is fascinating for the metaphor, right? Because mm-hmm. you have these fields of science, but then you also have new fields of berries and nuts, you know, right. it fits with the metaphor, which mm-hmm. is interesting. But, yeah. Um, 
Well, we're called the if you, but how many people are actually involved with those new emerging fields? It's like academics and people that are like it's very niche at that point. You got to do it in your free time. Yeah, because you do. You right. aren't going to just be able to go. I mean, you don't just wake up tomorrow and say, "I want to spend my day studying nanotechnologies," mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or like working like. Yeah, for work, I want to like I want to join a nanotechnology company, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you, like you have to do it in your free time. You have to say right. tomorrow Saturday, I'm gonna fucking learn about nanotechnologies, right? I'm gonna learn the ins and outs of where the field's at, and honestly, you spend a good eight hours doing that, you can, and you've done this sort of thing before, you can get a pretty decent feel, yeah, for where the field of nanotechnologies is at. You're not going to be an expert. You're right. not going to be able to probably explain the field of nanotechnologies to somebody, but you're going to have an idea. You're going to yeah. have a lay of the land. It's like going to like a new ski resort or something. You know, it's like, you're going to be able to get around, right? You'll know what's up, but you're not going to be showing people the paths through the backwoods, right? Taking them to see these beautiful views or down the best runs. Cause you haven't spent the time doing that. Totally. But you have to take the time to get acquainted and you have to do that in your free time. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you can spend your, free time doing anything really, you know, but like, I think that studying these emerging technologies and these emerging fields, that's the thing you got to do with your free time. It's yeah, that and is studying as many fields as you possibly can. Yeah. And just seeing like what's natural. Yeah. Because yeah, you might be super drawn to nanotechnologies, but something like DNA might be completely boring yeah you you know so it's like follow your passion and follow your interests yeah and and i think you know a lot of our breakthroughs as we're technically gen z we're technically the old actually well yeah no you and i i'm technically the oldest gen z 95 95 95 is a gen z you're the second oldest gen z with 96 Mm -hmm. gen z's millennials really got fucked and to be honest with you millennials my take on millennials is that millennials millennials have a hard time well they might live long enough to see the fruits of gen z's labor (laughs) yeah well millennials they kind of got caught in a in like we're right on the cusp of being like young young millennials or old gen z's but like when i look to like people a little bit older 10 years older five years old or whatever the, the and they're labeled in culture as kind of like the complainer generation the generations that's living in their parents basement you know yeah somewhat right obviously not all of them but that's how they get labeled which i think is inaccurate but but i think that when you look at millennials and gen z's and you look at the wealth between gen x gen x doesn't have a lot of wealth either but what has a lot of wealth are the boomers. And there's this yeah. big there's this big battle between millennials and boomers because in general boomers are are the parents of millennials. And Gen X are the parents of Gen Zs. Yeah, that's that's true. And so like you can hear like you've heard like okay boomer, have you heard that? Yes. Like that's a millennial thing because the the millennials parents are boomers and they kind of hate okay, their parents because okay, their dad. parents yeah. Yeah, their parents are loaded. Well, I mean, I- ideally, that wealth passes down to, apparently, it's passed down, or 
hopefully it's passed down generationally. So hopefully it is. Well, it will be. But the problem is the boomers are living a long time. Yeah, which <laughs> so the millennials are kind yeah. of pissed about that. Yeah, and the Gen Xs are pissed about it too because the Gen Xs didn't they they didn't get the 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 prosperity of like the Breton post Breton Woods that the boomers got. Sure. And so <laughs> I see a lot of like weird, weird similarities between Gen Xers and Gen Zs. Oh yeah. Oh well, it's their it's our they're, parents. Yeah, they're very, very similar in a lot of ways. Oh for sure. And there's a lot of similarities between a boomer and a millennial. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Don't tell the millennials that. <laughs> no. Yeah, they're they're just yeah. There's boomers in a young body. But yeah, I mean, like the boomers Which, got the post Bretton Woods. Yeah. Agreement, you know, the the power of the United States. And what's what's interesting about being in the um particular generational spot that we're in is that people who are four years younger than us are very, very, very different. Than very us. different. And people who are four years older than us are also very, very, very different than us. Yes. So we're like kind of in this, and I don't think it's the same way for them. No, 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 it's not because, well, I think what it is is we, we, we matured as technology matured. Yeah, but we weren't like, our social interactions weren't 100% steeped in technology. Exactly. That's the, pro- that's the problem that these younger generations face. Yeah, which there's struggles to overcome, there's benefits there, but it's definitely very different than the way that you and I grew up, right? Very different. But we're still able to leverage technology as well as any Gen Z out there. Exactly. You know? And we're actually on the cutting edge of that. Like, we can can all kind of use technology as well, and we probably will continue to, because as new technology comes out, I know how to use it. Yeah. And I'm like interested in learning yeah. how to use I've, it. I've I've never met a child that can use technology better than I can. No, you know, no. Whereas, like, you know, you go four, six years older than us. It's oh, like, it's like talking to a. It's completely like, different, right? Yeah. So, like, I think that we kind of have been fortunate enough to get the best of both generations there. That's right. Where we have the powers of the old world and the new. That's right. And we're able to be a bridge between. And that's why I think it's so important that we take care of ourselves. Absolutely. Like, we have a duty. Yeah. Because when you think about the younger folks that are growing up in an age where, you know, kids being born right now are going to grow up in the age of the metaverse. And yeah. and they're smart. Yeah. They're super smart. They just need to be, like communicated to in the right way yeah but if if you tell them something that's true they recognize that as true right you know whereas like that i don't know may not be the case for a lot of uh like millennials you know no exactly which is maybe a characteristic that they share with the boomers where they kind of like live in their own world a little bit yeah you know well, so um, I've done a pretty good amount of research on like Gen Zs and yeah. their mentality, and I'll be interested to kind of um, share some of the things that I've found um, through like McKinsey. McKinsey, the consulting firm, did a lot of research on Gen Z, and they kind of 
they they did a good job of really saying, "Hey, look, Gen Z is distinct from millennials. You can't group them together. It's a different generation that grew up in a different time, and they have different values and a different locus of control and a different perspective on the world." Yeah. And what they said, and I have a quote in my research somewhere, but it was basically basically there's a couple things. The the tying thing together for our generation that McKinsey kind of deli- uh, kind of consolidated was that we're a generation that is in search of truth, and that truth for us can be a hard truth. Whereas they criticized millennials a little bit and kind of said millennials are idealistic. One hundred percent. They want the perfect thing that fits they're, into their box. They're the children of boomers. Exactly. And they want the perfect thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Whereas they said that Gen Zs are more open-minded and they're willing to have civil discourse and disagreement. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, I very much see that. And what they want is they want the truth. They don't want the bullshit, even if it's something that they don't want to hear. They want the hard truths and the good truths. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I very much agree with that. That seems to be... And obviously not everybody, you can't fit everybody into a box, but generally speaking, I would agree with that. Yeah, I, I, I agreed. When I heard it, I was like, that's true. Like, yeah. you know, and and um, and then to that degree, if that is our goal, like, we are going to need to be patient to find those truths because they're not low-hanging truths. No. No, they're not. They've all been hoovered up. <laughs> yeah. You know? All the great names have been taken. Yeah. Well, I don't know if all of the great names have been taken. We'll move into a new world with new great names. You know, Most of the good names yeah. have been taken. But and people are going to get lucky. It's definitely a harder task now than it ever has been. I mean, dude, Meta is a, it's a pretty damn good name. It's a pretty good damn good name, but they had yeah. to buy it. They had to buy it yeah, from that's, somebody. That, that's true, but there wasn't a company <laughs> called no. Meta. No, it wasn't no, like no. they were competing with Microsoft. Oh, it's a great. Meta, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, the branding might have been a little bit premature and like kind of rushed a little bit or something. I don't know. Sure, but like in general, that's a great name. The great names are taken. The great dot coms are taken. Yeah, we gotta think. Our challenge is, is immense yeah i bought a domain the other day for universal neural universal oh you've told me about that before yeah. universal neural yeah i like that i just can't i just yeah popped in my head and i was like i wonder if there's a domain for that snagged it <laughs> <laughs> i like it i like it i you know talking about this stuff i'm like thinking like longevity is such a good word longevity is a great word it feels good to say it too. feels <laughs> good like longevity yeah is it longevity or is it longevity i i i, I like long i like longevity <laughs> i do too i think it's cool um speaking of <clears throat> i think we should transition a little bit yeah i agree i want to talk about another insight to a certain extent that i kind of came across and we were talking about it earlier. We kind of agreed on this, but um, given what's happening with energy in the world right now, um, 
first of all, the world is not paying enough attention to energy. No. Like, where, where is the outcry? We, we, we are paying a lot of attention to energy. I, I think the world is paying adequate attention to energy. I don't think that we're paying attention to ways to revolutionize our okay. energy. We're not asking the right questions about energy. Yeah, well, yeah, because we talk about energy. You talk about gas prices all day long. Right. You're talking about energy, you right. know, but everybody's thinking about it in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Everybody's still playing by the old paradigm. Right. You know, right. and, um, and we talk a, a lot about, wind and solar and hydroelectric and things like that. Those are great, but I think there's an elephant in the room. Yeah. There's a golden goose. What's the word, Tom? What's the one word? Fusion. (laughs) Nuclear fusion. Where is the talk about nuclear fusion? I mean, it's, there's two things in my life that are the most exciting Nuclear fusion and indefinitely extended lifespans. <laughs> <laughs> the two things, indefinitely extended lifespans and indefinitely limitless energy. energy. Yes, yes. Breaking down those barriers. Because if you have both of those, man, the fucking problems we can solve and the things that we can see. Exactly. And, and actually, if we can solve the indefinite energy problem, it probably solves to a certain extent the indefinite life problem. Yeah, it might. It very well might. It will contribute, that's for sure. Yeah, it will definitely make it easier. But energy is so fundamental. Yeah, maybe we're talking about, maybe it is like the same. Oh, it's the same thing. thing. It's life force and the force of... We're looking for infinite energy out there and within here. Exactly, (laughs) man. Like... I gestured to my body, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) it's, It's so fundamental. And why are we talking about wind and solar and not saying that I have anything against them because clean energy is critically yeah. important and fuck fossil fuels. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. We need to figure out as a species urgently nuclear fusion. I agree with that. I think it could solve a lot of issues for us very quickly. The we, and we are throwing a lot of money at it right now. There is a, tremendous amount of funding for nuclear fusion research research but like you were saying earlier people who it needs to be cool to start exactly. working on nuclear fusion these are the astronauts yeah oh 100 percent. the team that figures out nuclear fusion they need to be celebrated and paraded around the streets of new york totally you know man. it's like they yeah they got to be heroes we have to solve this problem because nuclear fusion, there's no radioactive waste and there's multiples more energy that's produced than nuclear fission. Yeah, you're basically able to get the equivalent of a barrel of oil from a cup of seawater. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's crazy. And and this, the fuel, like with fission, you have to enrich uranium, like these radioactive, radioactive but with with um with with fusion all you're doing is you're taking hydrogen and turning it into helium you're just forcing these two hydrogen elements together and then you 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 it's the same energy as the sun i think it's tritium and deuterium i don't Um, know what it is i'm not i'm not 
Which, into it. But yeah. I'm into the cultural element yep. of this. Like, I'm like, guys, we need everybody should be all we, as a society. We, like, I wish President Biden would say, like, all hands on deck, America. Like, we need to in, create and commercialize and operationalize nuclear fusion. Yeah, instead of Germany providing uh, like $115 billion to modernize their military. Imagine if Germany's like, we're taking $115 billion and we're going to fucking figure out fusion power. Exactly. Exactly. It's urgent. We have to... Tremendously urgent. Because when when, when we can solve this problem, things like what's happening with Vladimir Putin in Russia, Vladimir Putin's out of business. He's just straight up, he's fucked. Yeah, hopefully. Like, you want to beat him at his own game? Create nuclear fusion because yeah. you can power all of Europe safely. These, these, that, that's you can power fucking everything. You can power everything. Yeah. The whole world. The whole world. My, my buddy asked me the other night over a beer, like, if I had ever, like, dreamt of a world with limitless energy. And I, I honestly answered no. I hadn't, you know. Right. I'd, what could you accomplish with limitless I energy? I had never actually considered that a possibility and thought about working that into my into my dreams of what reality can be. Well, and, and so like in, in your classic strategy, you know, planning method, you would you, you would think about something like that. Like what what would the what would the world look like? But then the, the key question in strategy is what would have to be true? Yeah. For yeah. limitless energy to exist. The only logical answer is what would have to be true is humanity has to take control and understand and master nuclear fusion in order for us to live in a live sustainably in a world with limitless energy. Yes. Doesn't work otherwise. Yes. Right? I mean, can you think of another option? No, we we can do a whole heck of a lot with solar, which is fusion energy. But, but, but does it give you limitless energy? If we're able to get, I guess, take control of like other stars and stuff. Okay, so if you're making choices, well, yeah, okay, but but how do you get to other stars? Oh, the, right? the, the, the way to get there is is definitely through fusion. It requires right? fusion. Yeah. We have to do this as a, as, a, as a species. And so we should stop beating around the bush. Yeah, it's, it is a hard thing, though. But we can solve it. You know? We put a man on the moon. That was we, hard too. We yeah we yeah exactly. We've done harder things. We developed COVID vaccines in under a year. Yeah, I mean yeah. Imagine if there was like the wartime push that there was to figure out um, nuclear fission in the first place. Exactly, like the Manhattan Project and all that kind of stuff. Imagine if there was the kind of push and the funding and the brains focusing on fusion. What would what would happen? In a world with limitless energy. I what would it be like? One thing that I initially go to is I go to robots that build robots. <laughs> okay. <laughs> For whatever reason, that's the first thing that my mind goes to. Yeah. Is little construction robots that build other robots that go build houses, improve roads, fucking till your garden, <laughs> you know, like build skyscrapers as high as you can build them, you know, because I, I just think construction, 
you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We would be able to... To build. And Yeah, we could build and drill and do all of you these. You could put all the roads underground that for would, free. That for, kind of thing would be fucking for, feasible, yeah. For free. Yeah, it, de- it demonetizes everything so much. Well, yeah, that well, that's what popped into my head was like, like, we're talking about with this gas surge and the whole Russian thing. It's like, if what if we had the opposite problem? Yeah. Where it was like, we're all running around in electric cars and energy is free. Because it's just, it's a state-run utility right just like how water you have drinking fountains you know yeah you just have just energy it's Every, a utility everybody's power outlets are just surging with yeah, energy. exactly like <laughs> yeah like you can just charge your tesla and go wherever you want go back and forth where do you want to go yeah like the, the space and space it would get inter- interesting with space i think that we would ha- i think it would yeah, I naturally start thinking about space when I think about limitless energy. Yeah. Start oh, thinking about the first place you'd go. Space manufacturing. Yeah, um, oh yeah. You know, moon bases, Mars bases, totally. all that kind of stuff. Because that construction of rockets becomes much, much cheaper. That's right. Because you can, like, you can, like, 3D print. I would imagine you could... I, I would imagine we would have access to a lot of we would start to have access to a lot of advanced materials relatively yeah. quickly and we could start 3D printing them i don't know yeah i i guess i just picture a lot of 3D printing robots yeah that can just make fucking rockets and can do i don't know it changes everything yeah. honestly it, it, if 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 it was like a water fountain like there's no homeless person who has to ever worry about water because they can go to their public water fountain and get free water. Yeah, and imagine instead of manufacturing rocket ships, you're manufacturing food. You yeah. just have lab-grown food, lab-grown or, uh, organs. Vertical farming. Yeah, stuffed underground. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. All this all this stuff becomes like, it's not, yeah, it's, it's no longer pro- prohibitive to build a, to dig a giant hole in the ground and put a giant farm under there. Yeah, everything just, becomes possible. You can dig as big of a hole as you want. Like Exactly, because you've got the, the... you got fucking limitless energy. Limitless Why energy. Just dig a big hole yeah. and throw the farm down there, and the yeah. lighting is powered, and everything's yeah. good. Like, we're just... Yeah. We've Food. solved it. Yeah. We need to do that. I agree with that. Like, there needs to be leadership that says... Literally everything that we're doing, stop everything, and just all the great minds contribute one idea for how we might. You're worried about the climate? Yeah. Start working on fusion. Exactly. Start talking about it. Start dreaming about it. Yeah, instead of standing on a street sign with a painted sign, you know, start getting active. With instead of trying like to dismantle the legacy companies, just fucking get rid of them, um, sidestep them, it, it make would, them irrelevant. We would figure it out if Joe Biden tweeted out, "I want everyone from every field, every different field, who's an expert, to come up with some ideas, some metaphors 50, in different contexts." Fifty billion dollars to the team that figures out fusion but also this think about this 
we need molecular biologists. Absolutely. To say, hey, here's a metaphor that's similar to fusion in my field. And, and, and we need people to study molecular biology. Yeah. We need molecular biology needs to be as cool as marine biology. Exactly. Exactly. But also, like, going back to this fusion thing, like, we need to mix more ideas. Yeah. We need not just fusion-focused people, yeah. but we need people from other fields saying, hey, here's how you might solve this problem. And, and also, like, what do you do with it once it's there? Yeah. How do you distribute it? How do you manage it? How do you regulate it? Exactly. And so that's, that's, you know, that's a, it's a really important thing that, you know, we're just, it's not taking center stage yeah, the way that it needs to. It really should. Are you familiar with the concept of a Dyson sphere? No, what is that? Oh, wait, maybe I am, but tell me about it. It's essentially building a giant structure around a star. Yes, I am familiar yeah. with it. And using that as your fusion reactor yes. and harnessing all the energy that comes off of it. Yeah, I, I have heard of that. Yeah, it's like it. there's visuals of it. It's like a big solar panel, like almost Death Star type yeah, thing. You, yeah, you literally just like build a stru- giant structure around a star. Yes. And harness all of the like the energy, the energy. that comes off of it. Yeah. And that's, so there's, um, I forgot what it's called, but there's, there's, I think there's four different levels of societies. Kardashev civilization. Yes. Yeah. Type one is where you're able to harness all of the, uh, energy hitting your planet. Yes. From, from your star. Yes. So you're a type zero society, right? Yeah. We're at a a point six. Okay. Point six. But it is, it's, it's logarithmic. So uh, one is like really far away. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, you would have to like, if you, if you were to do it through solar, you would have to literally cover every inch of the planet in solar panels. Uh, okay. Which we're not going to do. That, we're not going to do that. Right. Um, so you pretty much have to figure out where to get energy besides just from your sun. Uh, if you do want to become a Kardashev type one civilization, which is right. a completely theoretical, um, framework for understanding the amount of energy that civilizations use. But, um, but fusion power would be a great way to do that, Yeah, you know, uh, and it would speed up the, our trajectory towards potentially becoming a type one Kardashev civilization. We have to figure that out. It just has to, we have to. Yeah. How much more exciting does shit get if we do? It, you, and you, you, you not only live a life where you live from 100 years old to 700 years old, but during that time, you are part of a civilization that has access to limitless energy. That's right. And when and when Ray Dalio says things like, the times ahead are going to look nothing like we've ever seen before. Nothing. When he says that, he says it in a very negative tone perhaps or not negative but fear-based or uncertain yeah 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 it's just different yeah we shouldn't have that expectation because there's a chance that our lives if things if we can overcome some of the forces that are potentially killing ourselves and we don't kind of take a couple steps backwards into a fascist regime we can seriously break through 
and life will not look anything like we've ever seen it before, but it might look a little worse for a little bit. But then on the other side of that, we might see something incredible. Yeah. And if we've got these dreams and we have these collective goals, then, I mean, we're not just trudging through life from one day working your job to the next, you know, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're a part of something that is tremendously exciting and meaningful. That's right. And that is fucking priceless. It is. Well, longevity. Longevity and fusion power. Live in 700 years. That's the goal. Yeah. How long do you actually want to live? Uh, I indefinitely. Extended <laughs> would be nice. <laughs> indefinitely. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, a thousand years would be great, but like if we're doing really cool shit in 800 years, I'd like going to probably do whatever I can to <laughs> This is the Vantage Podcast. <laughs> Thomas Cordell. Thomas <laughs> Cordell. <laughs> Nailed that out, you know.